0: good morning welcome to circle prayer everybody prays bruce here in this movie gets the idea that god doesn't know what he's doing so because of that he has a plan if i was only god i could answer things better differently and all things will be solved of course bruce gets the opportunity to answer the prayers and if you know the movie things go sideways and he realizes there's a bigger plan and bigger things that he doesn't know about the way that god works I think some of these questions, and if we're honest in this room, maybe we have thought that too, right? Man, what are you doing, God? Man, if I was in charge, if I had all the powers, I would answer things a lot differently. I would engage with people in a better way. I would take away all the problems and all the evil and all the things that people struggle with. But sometimes we think those things because we don't really know who God is, or at least we don't know how he functions, or, or we're not sure... What is God really like? And so because of that, we sometimes put ourselves in a position, what we would do if we were God. You know, it's like getting that phone call when it rings and you look at your phone and it says unknown number. And I don't know how you react when you see that. I know I go, Ugh, how did, who is this? Who is this telemarketer? Why is somebody calling me? Why are they bothering me? And it's always around supper time, right? When it comes in. So you click hello, or I do anyways because I have a hard time ignoring things. So I click hello, and then if it's somebody I actually know, man, does my posture and does my attitude ever change? Right? Like if it's somebody I actually know and somebody who I've interacted with or a friend of mine, I'm like, oh, thank goodness it's you. I thought I want to trip somewhere. Who we talk to depends on our mood, depends on our feelings. Or sorry, how we, who we know we're talking to influence our mood and influences our feelings I have the joy of having a 639 area code the new area code so like nobody answers my phone calls ever unless they have me programmed in their phone so it's perfect because I just leave messages but who we talk to who we know is on the other line really influences our behavior and really influences how we can come in contact with them so in this series plugged in we've been looking at prayer and we've been really asking the question, why is it everywhere in the world, everyone prays? Even people who say they don't believe in God have this inner dialogue where they're the center stage, they're the main character in their own movie. And they have these discussions and they have this ongoing conversation. And so in their first message, we really unpack that all of us, everywhere in the world pray. And so if you're new with us, if you're connected and you hear some things that really resonate with you, I'd encourage you to check us out online cdac.ca slash messages you can you can subscribe to our podcast you can also actually see live video now we are now having the videos that you can watch and engage with our conversation so you can check us out that way so we've been talking about the people everywhere pray and then last week we looked at jesus who actually says to his disciples to his students to his followers says this is how you should pray and we really unpack that template because we know that prayer is not a formula it's not a thing we do just to get something So when Jesus taught his prayer to his students, he didn't just say, do this and everything will work out. We unpacked that prayer and looked at it and said, this is what it means. This is why we do this template. And so today, I really want us to look at who do we actually pray to? How do we understand God? How do we understand who he is in as Christians? I say this because our understanding of what God is really like will shape everything in our life, including our prayer life nothing influences your life and my life more than our view of god your understanding of who god is will shape your choices will shape your self-image will shape your relationships and your hopes and dreams as christians those of us that say we believe in jesus we believe that god makes us in his image and if you were here a few times you'll see me always come back to that i always come back to the idea that we're made in god's image and I believe this is a really important thing for us to always come back to and stress is that God made, his, made us like him. Therefore, there's no throwaways. There's nobody that's not important. God makes us in his image. And Erwin McManus, pastor and author, calls this the fingerprint of God, his DNA in us. And that's why there's so many similarities of people groups around the world. There's so many things about us that are similar like wanting to pray like wanting to connect with god and so our understanding who this god is who makes us in his image will influence our ethics our morals what and who we believe god to be like our philosophy of life will be guided by our belief and value system and we can see that around the world so who is god what is he like I think if you've had any conversations with different people of different belief systems or different understandings, you would hear people say that, well, maybe God is like this grumpy person. He's cranky and he's angry and he's upset all the time and we have to just really work really hard to please him. Or some people have this idea of God that he's this kind of crouching tiger just waiting to pounce on you if you make a mistake, waiting to punish you, like he gets excited about it. Or maybe you have this idea that God is this kind of flaky God. Like, he's moody, he changes his mind continuously, he's chaotic, he's all over the place, and who can control him, or who can even understand him? Or maybe you have this idea that God is this, like, police officer, whose whole goal is just to keep rules and guidelines, and he's kind of maybe a dictator almost, demanding more and more, and nothing is ever enough. Or maybe you have this idea of God like Santa Claus, right? Like, if you're good, you get good things, and if you're bad, you get bad things, or you get ignored. Or maybe we have this like Lego or putty God that we kind of shape him in whatever way we want as long as we get the things we want. So we kind of form him on our own ideas and say this is what he must be like. And there are good reasons people believe there's different things about God. There are good reasons why people believe God must be this way. A lot of times is their situation in life. Some people have really hard life. Some people have really bad things happen to them. And based on those things, we sometimes come to conclusions that God must be like this because this is my lot in life. And so I think it's important for us to come to a place to say, if we believe that Jesus is God, there has to be some kind of continuity from how he lived here on earth to how he is now. What is it that connects us to him? And so I just want to really unpack a little bit of that today, and then talk about why our prayers will be influenced by understanding who God is. So in the Christian faith, in the faith of believing in Jesus, you may have heard these different characteristics about God, their descriptions, things like, um, you know, God God can hear all things, Um, He's all-knowing, and the fancy word for that is omniscient, God is omniscient. Or maybe you've heard that God is all-powerful, He can do everything and anything, and the fancy word for that is, omn- is omnipotent. Or maybe you've heard that God is everywhere, and the fancy word for that is omnipresent. And we have these ideas that God is kind of everywhere, all-powerful and all-knowing. But the bigger Christian idea here is, is God at the center of who He is, at the foundation of who He is, all the things that come from Him start with that He is first and foremost love. That God at the center and at the core of his being is first and foremost love. So all other things, justice, because God is just, come out of the fact that he's first and foremost love. He's just because he's loving. He's faithful because he's love. He's gracious because he's love. He's merciful because he's love. All those other things come out of the core center that God is first and foremost love. If God is not love, then we would have all those things of uncertainty, of chaos, of mood changes. But Jesus comes and teaches us that God at his core and at his center is love. And because of that, his response to injustice, his response to enemies, his response to others is very different than our natural responses. It's always out of love and out of care john who hung out with jesus says we do not need to fear him we don't have to be afraid of him because his love casts out all fear the perfect love casts out all fear and people can say well okay that sounds really nice that god is at the core center uh, at the center of who he is his love but what about all the disease and evil and brokenness in this world and i think even though that is the big question that a lot of people wrestle with philosophies build around that why is there evil in this world I think that that question actually isn't that hard to answer because God in the Christian story creates us with free choice he doesn't create robots he doesn't create people he can control and manipulate he gives a complete option of free love and free choice to say you can choose even if you choose poorly and what happens in the story that we have as Christians is that people chose poorly right off the bat they said we will know better we can do better than this and they pull away from God and they break the partnership and they break the relationship and brokenness and evil and destruction enters the world it enters the world because of us because of the barriers and the choices that we make not because of the choices that God makes evil is actually kind of easy to explain what's hard to explain is actually why is there good in the world it's hard to explain why there's good in the world, because if we think of it, survival of the fittest or the, you know, the, the best and the brightest get to the top and everybody else can just get trampled, why is there good in this world that says, no, that's not a good thing to do? Because the other way is actually easier to explain. Well, yeah, I, I want to win, so I'm going to push through whoever gets in my way. They can get pushed out of the way as long as I get to the top. The good part that we see in the world everywhere in the world is that fingerprint of God as the McManus calls it is that DNA that image bearing that we have when we were created in the image of Jesus and so we learned right away right off the bat that in the Christian story that God is love and because God is love he's good and because he's good we can come to him and we can have a partnership we can have a communication with him and so our plugging in to the source of life is understanding that God is good and he wants to have that connection with us. And so when we pray, we have implications of praying to a good God. And so today I want us to kind of unpack the five implications about prayer, knowing that God is good, knowing that we have an opportunity to plug into a source who's good and who's for you and who cares deeply for who you are. So if you have your notes, you can pull out the, the, the message notes, or they'll be on the screen, or you can also go on the YouVersion app and electronically with me but number one implication knowing that God is good in our prayers is that God's plan for my life are also good we need to know that what motivates us as people as humans is love or the lack of love the world turns around on the fact that we are motivated by love or the lack of love and so when we come and we know that God is good and when we begin to pray with him, what we realize is that God actually has a good plan for us. Right, that means right from the first moment of our life, right from the first beat of our hearts, God creates us with a plan. And it's a plan that he can prosper us, that he can offer life to the fullest, that he can provide for us, and that we can partner with him in this world as co-creators. You know, did you know that in the story of Genesis, in the first chapter, that first poem that describes the creation of everything, and however that all happened through God, is that God actually invites people to be co-gardeners with him, that the whole imagery of the garden is that he actually invites people that you're going to tend this place with me, that you're going to upkeep it with me, that they have, people have a purpose and meaning and realization that they actually have a part to play in the good creation of the world. And because they're made free, like I said, they choose to pull away from God. I said, no, I have better ideas how to do this. And God's longing goodness and his core of love continues to pursue us, to invite us back into that co-creation, co-work, and that partnership. Everything has meaning and a plan. God could have created us without a plan. It could have been just these robots that just punch numbers and, and sometimes maybe it feels that way at work. But he had a plan for you. He had a plan for me, and he says it's good. How we understand who God is will guide our belief system. Sometimes we think of it as karma, you know, well, I did lots of good things, but that's just not how it works. In fact, others may ha- even have bad plans for you because they want to further themselves or they want to get ahead, and God comes back to the center and say, no, I have good plans for you you can mess them up you have that choice you can do whatever you want sure but the plan I have for you is good and when you come into that partnership when you come into that prayer when you can plug into the source you begin to learn the character of God and begin to take it on you begin to change you begin to pull away from all things that the world says is important whether it's materialism greed whatever it is You begin to change because you begin to be more than just the things you own or your titles. You become, your your value becomes knowing that you are made for good by God. And so your whole value changes. It doesn't become about how productive you are in this world. It becomes about finding rest in God. And when you find that rest, when you find what you were made for, nothing will feel like work because you'll be fulfilling what you were made for you'll be fulfilling you'll be living out the plan so the implication of prayer knowing that God is good first reveals to you that your life is that God has a life that has a good plan for your life because I think a lot of times we can get feel down and well what is God's plan for me well maybe I don't have something maybe I'm not meant to do this and God says no I have a good plan for you the second implication is that God gives me what I need and not necessarily what I deserve So many of us experience brokenness in this world done to us or by us and because of that we experience shame or hurt or pain that's been inflicted on us by others or we have inflicted on other people and the pivotal part of the christian faith is understanding who we are is that jesus takes that brokenness of the world on himself he doesn't he doesn't offer us what we deserve He offers us so much more. He gives us what we need. It's so easy when we see other people and when they do something wrong and say, that person deserves that, right? We've all done that, right? We've heard some story. We've seen somebody do something awful or bad or whatever it is on the scale of good to horrible. And we say, that person should get what they deserve. How could they do this? I would never do this. And yet God sees and knows all parts of our heart. And so he doesn't give us what we deserve, but what we need. Because we don't need grace until we do. We don't need forgiveness until it's the moment where somebody found out, where somebody knows, when everything starts to crash around you, and you realize, I just need some forgiveness and grace. The implication of the good god whose core and center is love is that he doesn't give us what we deserve but what we need he offers us forgiveness and grace despite of anything we have done who sees all things in our heart and knows our inner dialogue and despite of that all of that enters it and says i want to give you grace because you're my child and you're made in my image this is why i love the bible it's a collection of all these stories of people's interaction with god and history and all this kind of stuff and i think if i was the editor of the bible i'd have all the best stories put in right all the nice clean characters that are so victorious and do all the right things and yet the whole story is collected with all these messy people that keep doing all this dumb stuff over and over and over and you start thinking like why would you continue to do this you know better it's because god knows our human condition and he offers us something better because he knows what we deserve is pretty bleak king david I mean, the most famous king in the Bible. A lot of stuff is written about him. He's also an adulterer, a murderer. And things in his life didn't go well. There's bad things that happened to him too because of his choices. And yet God says, "This a man after my own heart and through him, I will come into this world to save it. God forgives, offers grace, and offers us what we need and not what we deserve. God is good. Here's the neat part about this, God offering us what we need. Because God is good, and because he's so caring and so gracious for us, we use metaphors as, like a parent in the Bible. And so I don't know what your relationship was, is or was with your parents, but the imagery or the metaphor that we have of God is is he's good, good father, that he's that, he's that perfect parent, And so when we step away, when we think we know better, when we take charge of our life and say, God, you don't know what you're doing. I would do this completely differently. God waits. He's the Father that waits and pursues us and calls us back. Another metaphor, he's a shepherd. He goes up to the sheep when when we stray away. He goes and says, I I need to find you. I need to bring you back because I know what's good for you. And I know you deserve worse than this because you're choosing these awful things or maybe you've done some bad things but I will wait for you and I will pursue you. Another example of God is parent, shepherd, but also um, a good husband, or good wife. He's, a, he's the good spouse that even when we're unfaithful, he's faithful and waits and pursues us and says, I know the world says you don't deserve this, but I'm the, I'm the perfect spouse who loves you and who will take you back and who will be with you I know you fully and I love you and ex- ex- accept you. And those things that we do wrong, all those kind of things, all the brokenness that appears in the world, sometimes we think, well, God is creating these punishments in my, li- in my life. The thing we need to understand knowing who, that God is good and as we come to him in our prayers is the barriers in our lives, the brokenness in our lives that happens is things that we create. God pushes those barriers away. He breaks them. He t- sees our shame, sees our brokenness, and breaks those walls and comes to us. Our deepest longings all the kind of stuff that we have come out of the fact that god is love and he's created us for love and for partnership and relationship we have this access to deep community the author of hebrews in chapter 4 verse 15 16 kind of explains this and he uses this old testament language because that's kind of what people had the new testament was just being written when he's writing this and so what the old testament is is basically the story of god and the jewish people that he's calling out and the new testament is all of the stuff is fulfilled through jesus christ and people are recording that and he's kind of wrestling with this idea of the high priest that the jewish people would have had and he says this high priest is actually jesus who understands our brokenness understands our weakness understands our temptations he's faced them all he's coming to this world so he can say you are without excuse i have i've experienced all that you have experienced i know how hard it is And I'm not going to offer you what you deserve, but what you need. And I'm going to give you forgiveness and grace and step into your life. So our implication of prayer is that God offers us what we need, not what we deserve. The third implication is God puts my good above his own good. God puts my good above his own good. Because God is always good. He puts this order into play. Christian faith is very unique this way. It's not culturally bound. It's not landlocked. It's not a custom. It's not a clothing that you have to wear to identify yourself as Christian. Christian faith is not a power or political system. It's culturally diverse. It shows elasticity. And because God is, doesn't lock us into a time frame, it's a completely freeing. God does this, and this is very unique to this, to, to Christianity because he knows that Somebody, something had to suffer in the evil broken world and he refuses to put that suffering on you and choose it on himself this is what make what makes christian faith so different from every other storyline in the world god knows we've sinned he knows this and sin is just doing something that you know is wrong he knows you stepped out of bounds he knows you pulled away he knows you built up a barrier and he says i want to offer you something better and it's going to cost him something So in the Christian story, God comes into this world, lives, experiences all these things, knows all our temptation, knows all our brokenness, and goes on the cross so that all the weight and all the shame and all the brokenness can weigh on him instead of us. John, who hung out with Jesus, puts it this way, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. So when we look at the cross whether you're wearing one around the neck or here on stage or in the hospital or the red cross whenever you see the cross it's a symbol of god's goodness so through a terrible act of suffering it's kind of upside down and hard to understand sometimes but god enters into this world and says i will suffer on your behalf so that you could have life because i am the good god and not only does god pay for our sins He offers us that exchange. It's like like blood blood transfusion. He offers us new way of living. And not only that, he says God is so complicated that he's Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's this three persons that make one God that he says you won't have to do this alone. My Holy Spirit will then come into you and help you. It will change you. It will walk with you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. So god chooses our good above his own good wouldn't isn't that the best kind of god to worship the god that says i love you so much that i'm going to lift up your good over my good that i'm going to suffer on your behalf the next part why knowing why god is good and why we come to him in prayer that helps us number four is he does not say yes to every request and this is probably the hardest one right because we say well god is good and he offers my good over his good he doesn't give me what I deserve but what I need, so why doesn't he say yes all the time? And I think I've spoken on this before, but I think if God said yes, as we saw Bruce Almighty there do, we don't have the scope of everything else that happens in the world. And so we want to see prayer as this magic wand, which I said in the first week. We want to see God in such a way that we can bend his power, his will, manipulate him to get what we need but it's just not how it works and sometimes somebody might even actually told you well you know actually if you pray hard enough things will come your way till they don't of course and some may have even left that faith because they didn't come the way they wanted them to come but God has a bigger scope in mind and understands more complexities in this world and so when we pray to him he's like the good parent And as good parents, those of us that are parents here know that you don't give your child everything he or she asks for because your kid would be a mess. If they received everything they ever asked for, can you imagine? Well, some of you can, I think. Sometimes we ask for things we don't really even know what we want and we ask for them, we don't understand the implications behind it. And it's not a new thing. Jesus' students, James and John, who were with him kind of got to listen to him all the time, and they were the hand-picked 12 guys. Their mom came to speak to Jesus. Some of you know this story. She shows up and she's like, Lord, when you, when you guys get into the kingdom of heaven, when this is all kind of resolved, can you kind of make sure my boys sit on your, on your right and on your left side? Can they get like the best seat in the house with you? So first, news. there was helicopter moms, even in the Bible time. I'm not sure what James and John's reaction was, if they were like, oh man, mom stop this is really embarrassing or if they were like yeah yeah get me the sweet seat i'm not sure what their reaction really is but jesus answers her answers her plainly you don't realize what you're asking for you have limited perspective you don't see the whole picture you don't realize what i'm about to do and for them to sit beside me there's a lot of suffering coming so you have no idea what you're asking You don't really want a yes for all your answers. Now let's just be honest. It's easy to trust God in the good things of life when things are going really well. When you're seeing things that are all working out and life's going great, career's going great, kids are going, doing well, you can sing good, good father on stage and do that prayer and it's easy. The hard part is, how do you trust God when things go bad? when things happen to you that you don't deserve, when illness comes into your family, when somebody breaks your heart, when you lose the job, when you have no way of providing for your family, where's God in the midst of all that? The ultimate test of our faith is not how high we jump or how we praise when things are going well. The ultimate, ultimate test is how straight we can walk when things are falling apart. The implications of a prayer is, is knowing that God is good despite the brokenness we see around us. Knowing that God does not go out to hurt us, does not go out to cause the sickness or the brokenness. Not everything that happens in this world is good. Not everything that happens in this world is God's will. Many times, it's our will To cause something to happen in this world and god allows it because he made us perfectly with free choice it is the greatest gift and could feel like the greatest curse sometimes he's not going to force you to love him he's not going to force you to acknowledge that he's good but he will pursue you and he will wait for you he's good because he offers hope in the midst of darkness I don't know if you know this, but most or the fastest growing churches around the world are churches that are growing in persecution and destruction. Churches that are growing in a place where they're being tormented, where there's brokenness, where there's evil, where there's threats of imprisonment. Because all you have left is hope. All you have left is knowing that there must be a good God and this can't be the end of things. First week, we talked about that God puts eternity in our hearts. Even though all we know is death in this world, we know we have some lot of life to live and eventually it'll be death, something in us says that can't be it. There's got to be more. Fastest-growing churches, the fastest-growing people looking for Jesus are in the places of persecution and destruction and war. God is good all the time. And finally, God invites us to a life to the full. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Like, what does that even mean, life to the full? You keep saying these things that there's bad things and there's good, and you're saying God is good, and yet there's brokenness in this world. What does this life to the full mean? And again, John in chapter 10, the guy who hung out with Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What John is doing, he's contrasting all else against God. The two benefits are summed up as a fullness of life. The contrast between the false and the the true is really striking here. Jesus brings life. We bring death. Jesus brings hope. We tend to bring destruction. And so when Jesus comes and he says, I'm your king, and I'm, I'm creating a new kingdom here, what he's doing He's creating a new reign, and what he's doing in that reign of this new kingdom is that he's created a new way of being a human, a new way to live in this world of brokenness, a new way to to see and to help our neighbors, to see people around us, and to say, you are also made in God's image, and even though you're lashing out, even though you live in a destructive way, I'm going to care for you. It's a new and utterly different way of living and perceiving God god wants to show us his goodness and so he asks us to partner with him majority of times that god interacts with people in his story as we read in the bible majority of the things that are get accomplished is through his people yes there are miracles where god intervenes and does something exceptional and different but did you know the majority of things have Places are actually being changed and people actually getting to know God and and, uh, revolutions that are happening for a different way of living happen through partnership with people. That means God is calling us out into a way of living that's so radical and so unique that we can actually transform and change our communities. We can actually love our neighbors, care for those who do injustice to us, forgive others because we have been forgiven. A life to the full might look a lot different than we initially think. I think a life to the full in the West, may think we may think of riches or possessions or travel. I don't know what you think of when you hear that. A life to the full that Jesus shows is a new way of being a human in a broken world that helps other people have hope and grace and second and third and fourth chance. It doesn't stop at fourth just keeps going and going and going. It's a new way of being human. And so when we know God is good and we come to him and we have an opportunity to plug into the the source of life, we have these five things, and we can just recap them. That God's plan for our life is good. That God all gives us what we need and not what we deserve. That God puts our good above his own good. that He suffers for us he does not say yes to every request and he invites us to life to the full to a partnership of living a life in a new humanity so that the world could taste and see that god is good we have an opportunity to approach him through prayer and we have an opportunity to have him fill us with his holy spirit to be a new humanity now some of you may be asking questions about the holy spirit because we've just been just a little bit touching on it and i want to invite you to uh, to our holy spirit weekend which is going to be happening on march 8th to march 10th it's a great way to learn to understand this person of god the holy spirit it'll be workshop style weekend where we're going to talk about through prayer how do we connect how do we engage there's going to have some worship time. times going to be singing there involved as well it's going to be a fantastic weekend and i'd love to invite you into this And the reason we do this is because we believe that God is good. And we believe that he has an amazing plan for you and we believe that he wants to engage with you and partner with you to change this world. Some people may only experience God by how you have treated them. Some people may only have taste of grace by what kind of grace you have offered them. Some people may only experience love because how you have loved them there is a partnership that God invites you into a partnership that can radically change this whole world but let's start with this community with your neighborhood let's start with you and I what will God's knowing that God is good in his goodness do that you can partner to bring that goodness to people in your life to your coworkers to your teammates to your whoever you engage with would you stand with me? When we connect, when you plug into the source of life, we are reminded that God is good. And we have an opportunity to share that goodness with the world. Would you pray with me? God, give us the courage and strength to connect with you. God, remind us that despite of the difficulties and brokenness that we see in this world, that you are good. And your plan for us is great. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us as we go from here. And help us to be the change we want to see in this world. Praise in your name. Amen. Just a reminder, Common Ground is closed. There are gifts for you at every entrance. There is going to be a prayer team up here. If you want to talk to somebody or pray with, please come up. Go in peace. Enjoy your long weekend.